You're listening to a DM podcast. Just a quick warning, this podcast series contains discussions about crime, trauma, sexual abuse, drug use and suicide. Listener discretion is advised. I used to rob banks in the 80s and 90s and did 23 years in prison in three different states. It took 30 years to talk about the sexual abuse that happened to me and the spiral into crime, addiction and depression that all occurred as a result. Now, having turned my life around, I talk openly to inspirational people about trauma, survival, transformation and hope. I am Russell Manser and this is The Stick Up. On today's Stick Up podcast, we have Adam Washburn, the founder of FACA, Fighters Against Child Abuse. Adam is a staunch martial artist that uses the principles of martial arts to defend the defenceless. Adam Washburn, welcome to the Stick Up. Thank you, Russell. It's an absolute pleasure to meet you, mate. Mate, I've been um, been following uh, the the FACA uh, organisation for a while now, and let me tell you, man, I, I, I'm, I'm, we are our society is so blessed to have you uh, doing the work that you do and keeping these bastards honest. Ah, thanks, mate. I really appreciate that, mate. What was the inspiration for inspiration for for FACA? To be honest, it needed to happen. Mm. I, I I always say, look, I wish we weren't around. I wish we didn't have to exist. Mm. But um, there was a few. There's a few kickoffs like there was one time when i was out working out out at um penrith with a mate of mine getting him ready for his fights and getting my butt kicked and there was a kid kind of hanging out at the gym busted up face that sort of thing and i just in between rounds i was hiding to be honest (laughs) i was getting flogged um in between rounds i'd help him out like i just kind of chat with him and then I'd, i'd show him how to hit the bag things like that and i just said to the instructor look i'll i'll flick his fees for a couple of months just to kick him off sort of thing and then yeah last next time i went out there he's like look don't worry about his fees he's he's sweeping up he's cleaning up for us this that and you know running joke oh you should be in every city you should be everywhere and you know i was talking to my partner about it and she said well go for it Hmm. you know i've grown up in martial arts Hmm. i've grown up as you know a counselor um trauma counselor drug and alcohol that sort of stuff but I, I never really had a good reaction talking in a traditional counselling sense. Mm. And I'm not saying it doesn't work. I'm just saying my clients, maybe it was me, maybe I just have poor counselling technique, but I'd always get them out on the basketball courts. I'd get them out, you know, hitting pads, shooting hoops, whatever, just something to get them moving around. And so I kind of put a call out to a bunch of martial artists that I know and I said, hey, who wants in? And I got just a wave of response. So I had to start the page. And I'm like, Can you hey, just give us what the acronym FACA means? Fighters Against Child Abuse Australia. Yeah. So I started the page, just kicked it off naturally, and people came on, and then I started talking about crimes and, you know, shocking sentences and things like that. And everything for FACAR was very organic. You know, we had people come on board who just did things. We had people who said, hey, you've got to change this law. And so, you know, my partner are literally Googling how to change a law. And then it's, oh, look, there's a commission coming up. And so we put a submission in and we ended up going to speak before New South Wales Parliament. And the local member just happened to be on the committee. And from there, you know, Melanie Gibbons and I teamed up. And she's been an amazing help. She's a member for Holsworthy currently, but um, she's retiring this year. It just everything just happened organically. The whole system, you know, people said, hey, I'm going to court. Can you help us out? And before I knew it, I was flying to Brisbane to support a survivor whose abuser was literally standing behind her in the lineup to get in the court. And so, you know, we've worked with local governments to fix those loopholes. We've worked with local governments to fix the legal loopholes. We're currently on a big campaign called the Super for Survivors campaign. There's a lawyer in South Australia. I've been talking to him. I think you might have spit him into me. Andrew. Yeah, Andrew, yeah. Andy Carpenter, yeah. Good bloke. Absolute legend. He rang us up out of the blue and said, hey, check this out. And we went, okay, that's wrong. Let's fix it. And essentially the loophole is survivors of child abuse can sue their abusers, but their abusers can stack all of their money in the super fund and say, I've got nothing. See you later. Is that case of the Catholic priest getting out of jail in South Australia? They haven't been able to get no money out of him, but he's getting out the $4 million worth of superannuation. Yeah, that's a former magistrate named Peter Liddy. Oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, was, he was a magistrate. He collected historical weapons, I mm. think was his deal. 
and he liquidated all of his assets when he was convicted and put it all into his super. He's got four million sitting in his super fund and he has a list of survivors who yeah. have been told, nah, there's no money, deal with it. One of the big purposes of FACA is to draw attention to, to light sentencing yeah. on, on, and, and draw accountability to the courts and, and accountability to the public to expect accountability. Exactly, yeah. A lot of people don't even realise the sentences that these guys get. Mm. Like yesterday we reported on one guy who did one of the, the – probably the most horrific crime I've ever reported on. It, it churned my stomach to, to even say it mm. on, our, on our page. And he got 20 years minimum, and he appealed it. And everyone expected his appeal to be successful. Thankfully, it wasn't. Mm. And that's, that's groundbreaking for an appeal to be denied. Most of the time they appeal, they get like 20 30% reductions, yeah. which is just insane. And that's that accountability. People like yourself are asking the courts to be accountable. And I think... Without a doubt, it's the it's campaigns like yourselves that are making them, them magistrates a court. Like, they watch, they look at social media, mm. and it's a, a, a credit to you. Um, Thanks. As a as a survivor, as a survivor, I'll tell you just an interesting story. My co-accused went to Parramatta Court. This was back in '92. Mm. A bloke went up on 19 counts of child molestation, and uh, got 18 months. Yep. My co-accused went on 19 counts of bank robbery yep. and got 19 years with a non-parole period of 16 years, and they were just minimal, like service station. Like I'm not minimising that the, no. the trauma or anything that caused, but why didn't why didn't that person get the same sort of sentence? Like he done just as much damage, if not more. More, yeah. And he most probably and 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 my co-accused is an abuse survivor, yep. so he created someone like that. I, what, what is it you think that these judges? give these soft sentences out for see i i've rattled my brain trying to work it out i honestly believe it's because they don't talk to survivors mm. i would honestly like to see a situation where before a judge can take a, a child abuse case they have to talk to a panel of survivors they have to hear because i've seen I, i've supported a survivor in court and they've gotten up and said things that happened to them the effect on their entire lives the, the decimation of their entire lives. And look, this isn't with all survivors, all right? Some survivors are great. They mm. go on to amazing things like yourself. But other survivors will look me in the eyes and say, Adam, it happened 50 years ago and I still can't function. And I'll be like, that is horrible. I'm so sorry. And, you know, I'll be holding pads for them or something. And they'll just tell me they just can't get up tomorrow. I'll get a message not coming in. And I'll know that they're just sitting in bed reliving nightmares. Hey. And judges don't get that. They, they hear it and it's like listening to a shopping list. You can see them going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. They don't understand that it's a lifelong impact. If you stick a gun in someone's face and you take their money, they know the money's insured. They're going to hand it over. They're mm. going to put their hands up and they're going to go, whew, that was, that was bad, man. Mm. They're not going to be waking up 20 years down the track and going, holy hell, are they in my – is Russell in the room with me? You know, yeah. It's just – they don't get the impact. They yeah. don't understand that it is a lifelong impact. And I wonder if that's purely and simply because children don't vote. Yeah. But they grow up to be voters. Yeah, for sure. I, I get it. I, I've seen it over the years and, you know, I've done a lot. When I kicked off the voice of a survivor, I'd done the first 1,100 trauma reports, interviews. Hmm. And I got to the last one who was a really good mate of mine and I was in tears. Hmm. And normally I could disassociate myself from it, but this one I couldn't. It was so – I was personalised and it was – and it was like I was watching it happen. And I said to my business partner, I said, mate, I can't do these no more. And I had to self-preserve myself because – and I broke, I'll be honest, I had a bit of a breakdown. I put myself in a, in a wellness centre for about a month after that. And that's not uncommon. You see – you're on the front line, mate. You're on the front line. You see the damage it gets done. And I guess that's, that's the fuel for what you do. Yeah, absolutely. The, the fuel for the fire is the survivors, is yeah. their stories, is their heartbreak. Is, is, and it sounds really like – horrible to say that but every time i think about oh is this legal reform worth it mm. is you know i've got a four hours at least of looking at, at a computer screen typing away yeah. is anyone going to listen i'll i'll open inboxes before yeah. i do that and i'll open the inboxes and I'll, I'll start to get them the help that they need i'll start and i'll go right no nah, it's worth it flick back let's go 
You're fight. You're a fighter by nature. You're involved yeah. in the fight game. You've been involved in it your whole life. Yeah. Where does that come into play when you're doing this sort of? Is that is that the fighter's mindset? Is that what you take into it? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And and I can thank martial arts for getting me out of a life that I would have you know ended up behind bars. What was happening for you at that time? I, without <laughs> self-incriminating. <laughs> um, now, nah, look, I was heading down a bad path. There's yeah. no two ways about it. I was doing bad stuff to worse people. Yeah, I I thought I was I thought I was something I wasn't, mm. and I got a really good wake up call one day, which was literally some a much bigger shark than I th- could have imagined tapping me on the shoulder and going, "Settle down, kid. Mm. You know, you you can have what you want, but stay where you are. Stay in your lane, kid." Mm. And that literally just freaked me out because they could have wiped me. Mm. off the face of this earth with no second thoughts you want to elaborate can we elaborate um i just just when i was running around selling things i shouldn't have been selling okay you know taking odd jobs here and there for people that just didn't deserve my time yeah i I thought i was much bigger than i was but i was like 18 19 full Mm. of bravado You're a big lump of a lad. I wouldn't want you knocking on my fucking front door. <laughs> that was that was their thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> that was the purpose. That was of that it. was that was the reason I was there. But yeah, but at the end of the day, I got tapped on the shoulder by a much bigger shark and his crew, and they just kind of said, "Listen, bro, stop coming, stop messing, just stay in your lane. You'll be right." And that kind of freaked me out, and that actually sent me back to martial arts. Yeah, that sent me back to the ring. Um, I actually found like after that, I found pro wrestling and just started going down that path and then I went back to martial arts and got in the cage a few times what um, sort of support are you getting from the the fight the fight game because I know that I'm huge saying, yeah huge support every time I talk to a promoter every time I talk to a fighter they're just like what can I do let's go and you know we've had some really big names help us out like Alex Volkanovsky yeah, absolute, I've seen, I've seen you with him, yeah. Yeah, absolute legend mm. of a guy. Got robbed on the weekend. Got robbed horribly. No, don't don't tell me about control. He smacked him in the head so many times. It's not yeah. even funny. Yeah. But he, he he's the he's the the best pound for pound fighter on the planet, right? Mm. If I send him an inbox tomorrow and I say, "Listen, I've got a survivor in your area. Can I send them to you?" He'll be, "Yep. I'll give him gear. What do they need? Mm. What like gloves will be waiting for them. Yeah. Uniform will be waiting for them." If I if I say I, and I've I've done this, I said, listen, bro, there's a there's a survivor, really big fan of yours. He said, say less, send me an address, mm. and he sent her um, t-shirts that are signed. He sent her, you know, engaged gloves that were signed. He's an absolute legend, but he is like a standard sort of fighter. They all just so helpful, and anything that the survivors need, they're there. I think a lot of personally, I think a lot of fighters start their thing for, with that they experience some sort of childhood trauma. I think there's a, there's a common trait amongst fighters. Mm-hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean it's sexual, but they, you know, it could be a physical thing at home. Do you, do you agree? Absolutely, absolutely. It, a lot of a lot of fighters come to us and say, oh, "I was bullied pretty bad yeah. as a kid," and that's that's a form of abuse. And that fact, I noticed on your website this morning, you guys do do work with helping kids that have been bullied, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. So New South Wales Police reached out to us and said, hey, could you provide, you know, um, a martial arts, a very basic self-defense program mm. for... Without hours. nunchuckers? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing crazy. And um, we got a little, we got a local fighter from KMA named Marshall, Martin Ewan. He was one FC champ champ. Yeah. He brought these two giant gold belts in with him and, you know, everyone was, oh, wow, check this guy out. And, you know, he was in for a couple of the weeks and it was just me and a couple of cops holding pads for these kids. And every school we went to, the principal said the same thing. Yeah. They said that, that instead of taking them away and being like, oh, you were bullied or well, you come with us and then creating a further divide, we put the whole peer group together. And they were all talking about their training. They were all talking about this guy. And they were all talking about Martin. And they were all talking about, you know, the police and, and how cool it was when they, you know, because we we're, were mucking around, mm. showing off some kicks, things like that. But that, that in itself, I think, and I've been a big fan of that, 
that in itself, when you get the police involved like that, and the, and the kids are seeing that there's a human side of these guys, there's a respect side, of, that lowers crime rates. It does. It does. And one really amazing thing happened when we were at um, a, the school around the corner from where I trained. A kid actually went to the police and said, this guy's following me home. And we were just like, whoa, what? Yeah. Like, really? It turns out this guy had been following this kid home for four days straight. And he's because he was a it was a latchdoor kid. Mm. He let himself in very young, and this this guy was literally following him home. And we were, we were like, I wonder if he would have said anything if we didn't if we weren't there. You know, mm. he might have, but he literally came up to us after a session and said, Hey, can you guys give me a hand? This guy's following me. How good's that? Yeah, you create a safe platform for kids to talk in. Exactly. Exactly, and that's exactly how important. But how important is that? It, it it has to be. Yeah, and that's why I always found I'd get better results holding pads. Yeah, yeah. Because if you're just sitting on a couch opposite someone, and they're like, "Well, how did that make you feel?" You're going to get the same response, especially from a teenage kid. Well, how do you think? Yeah. You know, if you're holding pads for them, they feel they can trust you. You've got that bond. They'll start to talk a lot more, and they'll start to open up. And, you know, it was like, like you said before the show, you create that platform, you create that mutual respect, mm. and then you'll get the results. That's what I'm saying about this stuff in Alice Springs with these kids, you know what I mean? It's getting the coppers to engage with the kids. 100%. Like Joey Williams said, don't go and tell them what they need, go and ask them what they want. Hunt. Yeah. Why does no one do that? Mm. Why does everyone say, you need this, you need that? Why, do, why isn't someone walking up and going, what do you need, man? Yeah, yeah. You know? I think that's the answer. I, I really do. do. I think I'd love to, like, we're just in early days, I'd love to get you involved in a program that we really want to do out there, like, in places like that. Like, sometimes, you know, it's that red tape that gets in there. How frustrating. You'd, you'd encounter a lot of red tape, wouldn't you? <laughs> um, not as much as a lot of other charities yeah. because we don't have any government funding. Yeah. And not through lack of trying, but... Um, if we got it, we'd be very appreciative. Yeah. But we don't have the same hoops to jump through. Yeah, it's just that simple. But you see that, like someone like myself, I can't get, I can't get a blue card to work with children. I'm telling you, I would. Yeah, I can't because I've got violence on my criminal history. I've got armed robberies, and I was talking to a bloke about it today, and he was saying, "I'm gonna, I, I don't know, I'm gonna try and I'm gonna judicial review it. If I don't, I've got the legal eagles on it too. Lucky. It's frustrating there because, I, 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 yeah, there's a story I want to tell you. And it did frustrate the shit out of you. I was down at Juney Prison in about 1994. They put a guy, this guy was the first guy ever to be prosecuted for going overseas, doing a sex tour. And that was back in the day where you go and uh, develop your film. So he went to develop his film and the chemist bloke gave him up and he, and he got pinched for it. Anyway, so they sent him down to this jail we're in and then um, they sent him down there. No one knew. No one knew that what he was in for. He was, and the screws often will let him push him through and, and, and not unearth him. Anyway, he went away to court, and in the, it was in the paper about what he'd done. Long story short, he comes back. The bloke's got a toupee. He gets bashed up pretty bad. The toupee's on the ground, covered in blood. I remember I was on the phone. The screws get the bastards have scalped him. They've scalped him. And I'm going as I'm going back to my cell. Anyway, I get called out on Monday. And there's a 17-man task force investigating the pedophiles bashing. <laughs> and I said to them, guys, I said, and they're offering deals and everything. They're offering deals. They said to me, we, we know you know who did it. We'll take you to Kmart. We'll buy a new set of clothes and we'll put you on the train tonight and we'll release you two years early. They're offering that. <laughs> what? And I said, you lost me at Kmart. <laughs> but I, and I said to them, I said, I said, um, did you have 17 men investigating this bloke? And they went, oh, you're all the same. I said, I'm a bank robber. I said, I'm not as bad as that bloke. Let me tell you, that bloke, someone like them, and it was sort of the first time I ever indicated, I said, a bloke like that most probably created a person like me. How does that feel, you hearing a story like that? I, I got to laugh, otherwise I'll go insane because I hear it all the time. Yeah. Here's one for you. Your case, if you went to the Administrative Appeals Tribunal, now, they're in every state. Mm. You should get your working with children check back. Mm. You should. And I know this mm. because I know of half a dozen martial artists and I cannot name them because they will sue me for <laughs> my Volvo. <laughs> like, they will get everything. Who have been done... One of them was done for uh, roofing up his two of his students. Yeah. 
Rohypnol. Ro- yeah. And um, Rohypnol is a sedative that would just blank someone out. Yeah. It's called the date rape drug yeah, yeah, yeah. because they forget everything. Yeah, he gave he gave Hypnol and he videoed the whole thing. And that's the only reason they got him was because of his videos and he uploaded them and then got mm. done. Anyway, he got his working with children check back. Back? Yep, he got it through VCAT, Victorian Civil Appeals Tribunal. Yeah. Um, and he cried uh, financial foul. He said, it's quite hard for me to earn a living as a martial arts coach if I can't teach kids. And he got it. And mm. there's another one who... <laughs> Has is also a bank robber, and he got his working with children check back, mm. and he didn't just rob banks; he hurt people yeah. while robbing the banks. Mm. And one of those people happened to be a fourteen-year-old witness who he pistol whipped with the butt of a shotgun. Mm. And because instead of lying down, she said, "I, I can't. I've, I've got a sore, whatever." Yeah. And he shut up and pistol whipped her. Mm. Um, and I also know of a guy who was done taking child abuse material of his students and he got his he got it uh, through uh, the Queensland one yeah so if you don't get it back I would be really appealing that I know I think we can get the media to run with it uh, 100% let's do it let's do that one I'm going to make that a, a project mate the the when these people are getting pinched with child abuse I like what do you you think on this so it shouldn't be possession of Pornogra- uh, child abuse material should be accessory after the fact. 100%. It should be con- contributing to a crime yeah. in some manner because if you're trading or you're collecting or whatever child abuse material, you are literally taking crime scene photos hmm. because that's what it is. It is a crime scene. Yeah. They can call it whatever they want. It is, it, it is photos of a child rape hmm. and or videos thereof, whatever. My co-accused in one of the bank robberies, his mother got charged with accessory after the fact of taking a TV off him, <laughs> right, of an armed robbery. That's, not, that's, that's the same thing. It is exactly the same thing. Well, you know, in fact, I think it's worse Yeah. because uh, his mother didn't take the TV to get off. Yeah. His mother didn't take the television for, his own, for her own sick... You know, yeah, gratification. Gratification. Yeah, yeah. She took it because she needed a TV. Yeah, yeah. Now these guys are collecting, and when I say collecting, some of the cases I've heard, we're talking hard drives, like uh, you know, you hard drives Million stacked con- yeah, yeah, to yeah. the roof, you know, high, full of images, videos of kids being having horrendous things happen to them. But they're collecting them for their own sick gratification, for their own... So why are they getting away with that? You know, and and they are contributing directly to a crime. Do you think pedophile rings are prevalent in Australia? I'm going to be really controversial here, but stuff it, I'll go for it. I don't believe that they're as prevalent in terms of satanic elite mm. pedophile. I don't believe in that. Mm. I believe that there are groups of men who get together and help each other out. Mm. I believe that they meet in prison. Yeah, to, oh, I'm, I'm with you. I believe that um, a lot of our prisons are just becoming pedo, pedo you, ped, pedophile universities. 100%. Where they get in and they talk about the laws and they work out how to get around them. And I believe that there are rings operating but I don't believe it in the whole elite Illuminati stuff at all. Oh, man, that stuff scares me. But I'll tell you, man, I was in prison once in Queensland. I went to the library and grabbed a book. I grabbed this book, opened it up, and all pictures of newspaper cutouts fell out of little kids, and it was like touching the devil. Mm. I went, oh. Mm. And I'll give it to the screws. I said, you know, because they can track that back down. They can see who had that book from who had hired it, you mm-hmm. know what I mean, because it's all documented who'd leased it. And I said, yeah, you better go that. You want to find that? Man, that's pretty twisted. And they said, oh, that's, we're too busy for that, mate. And that's the that's the whole, you know, they could have went down and sent a library card and said, okay, because it's all computerised. He had this book, mate, and, you know, and if the bloke before me had it, it was a pedophile, it's a fair chance. Well, that's pornographic, like, child pedophile material, you know. Yeah. It's crazy. You know, you've just hit the nail on the head. At, I'm so glad you said it about prisons. Um, being pedophile, you know, they are. They've got, they've got a prison in Queensland called Walston, and there's about 
1,200 of them associating with each other yep. on a daily basis. I'll tell you something now from my own experience. Bank robbers talk about bank robberies. Yep. People who still talk about steal cars, they talk about different ways. People who do break and enders talk about different ways. How do we stop that? <laughs> Gen pop um, is probably my only response. Yeah. They, they have to stop this segregation of... General population you're yeah. talking about. Sorry. Putting them in the general population yeah. of the prison. Yeah, yeah. and because th- this segregation by crime, to me, it just encourages exactly what you said. Yeah. Um, there's no deterrent, is there? There's no deterrent. And there's, the sentences they get are pathetic, mm. absolutely pathetic. And I'm well aware that I just spoke about a 20-year sentence. Yeah. But that guy is the exception to the rule mm. by far. I have heard of people abusing eight-year-old children and going before the judge and saying that they came on to me, Your Honour, and not getting a conviction recorded. Mm. Right? This is common. Mm. And when they eventually do appear before that judge again and the judge goes, Hey, you tricked me you're going behind, they'll get 18 months. You and I have talked about this on social media before. At The Voice of a Survivor, I think we've got 16,400 clients at at present. Mm -hmm. The psychologist will tell you that 75% of child molesters are pedophiles or sexually abused themselves. I've got 16,400 clients and not one of them's a pedophile. What do you say to that? The official statistic is nine out of 10 survivors Mm. will not go on to abuse another survivor. Mm. And here's a statement that I got from a very a survivor very close to me. Mm. And that was, I wouldn't put that hell upon my worst enemy. Yeah. And that is a, any true survivor for my money, someone who has survived the absolute flames of hell themselves and gone through that mm. would not inflict that pain upon their worst enemy, period. 100%. What's that? There's a course down along by Cubid. Mm-hmm. But I was doing a drug and alcohol course at, that's called Narrow Neuro. I worked in the offices mess before I kicked it off. Every Monday, the pedophiles were getting hamburgers and chips, maybe full of pubic hair and a few other uh, that were cooked by the other inmates. I wouldn't have ate them, but I um, wonder how that got there. What but, a shame. Yeah. But, um, but when I put it to the people in the management in Narrow Neuro, I said, why, why don't we get it? We're drug addicts. We're mostly survivors of them people. Nah. Mm. Nah. They get this preferential treatment. 100%. People don't realise just the preferential treatment they get. Yeah. It took us years to get domestic violence survivors their own room. Yeah. You know, the Downing Centre was doing it just off off instinct. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Fakar did a submission that brought out the Children's Champion Program, which was later, for some stupid reason, renamed the Witness Intermediary Program because you don't want to say that kids have champions yeah. against pedophiles. And, and, you know, now it's moving on to Let Them Speak campaign. Mm. And, and some, some fantastic campaign, campaigns have followed. But just to, just to get a room off to the side was difficult for survivors. Mm. But, you know, when I, was, when I was going to court when I was younger, we'd see them mm. get ushered into a little room and hidden away. So, oh, but, but, they're, but they're at risk from vigilantes. And, you know, that's the, the rubbish excuse that we keep hearing when we talk about a child abuse register is mm. vigilantes. They don't happen. Mm. Vigilantism is not a problem for pedophiles mm. because here's the simple fact. If I abused your daughter, you'd know who I was. Mm. You know, you'd, she'd say, Adam did mm. this to mm. me, right? You'd know who I was. You'd know where I was. And if anyone was going to come after me, it would be you. 110%. But it's not happening. What about suppression orders for pedophiles? Suppression orders are a joke. Mm. They they were supposed to protect victim survivors mm. and and. And, and the whole idea behind a suppression order is we can't force someone to disclose what, what happened to them to the general public. Mm. Fair enough. But they're not used that way. They're mm. used by pedophiles to hide what they've done. Now, I think it should be up to the survivor to 100%. sort of say, okay, it's okay we name him. 100%. How come they, like, suppre- you've got a bikey, a bikey punches someone up. Mm. He can't get a suppression order nope. to protect his victim. Nope. He can't get a suppression order to protect his name. What do you think of FPOs, firearms prohibition orders, they apply to bikies? Why can't they apply something similar to the pedophiles? I think they absolutely should, but I don't know why. And this is what we're talking about. This is the preferential treatment that they receive. And everyone says, oh, but they're not violent. Are you kidding me? Mm. To hurt a a, a child, a vulnerable, the single most vulnerable members of our society are children. Mm. To hurt that person, to make the decision to, you know, potentially destroy their entire lives 
As if that's not a violent act. Yeah, that is the most more, violent more, act imaginable. What more violent is that? This is, this is what I'm saying. We live in a society, especially with the media, where they're telling us bikies pose a bigger threat than pedophiles. Yeah. That's brainwash. That's insane. Mm. I would shake hands with 100 bikies before I'd shake hands with one pedophile. Yeah, same. It's just that simple. And you, when you go to prison, uh, in particular, there's certain prisons, the bikies go to these gang units. Yeah. Bikie and pedo- and they're isolated, so they don't associate with other bikies. Yeah, and and, and talk about crimes and violence or whatever. Yeah. but they are the pedophile goes trotting down a laneway with a fucking backpack over his shoulder with five other pedophiles to the wing. Yeah, isn't that in, like pe- the public? That when you talk about that sort of stuff and they, people don't understand, Mate, they what have goes- the biggest smile on their faces at all because they're only doing twelve weeks. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> their their sentences are measured in weeks, not years. A mate of mine was in a prison up the Blue Mountains, and I remember, I can remember, like, you can tell, you can tell the type, there's the stereotypical type, and then there's not the stereotypical, there's the ones you can't pick. And yep. I remember this old couple visiting this place, and, and, uh, and, I, and I just nudged them, I said, do you know what he's in prison for? And she goes, oh, he's got a problem with the kids. Huh? And I yeah. said, he's got a pro- what do you mean he's got a problem with the kids? Yeah. Oh, you know, he, he, he mucked around a bit. He mucked around. Yeah, right. You idiot. Yeah. And we got to change... We've got to change, like, like man, you're doing. It. I, I love what you. I love your posts, and, and and I love what you do, like that exposure, man. And you'd be you'd be credited for. And we've got to get more people behind you. I really appreciate that, like, but like you said, that that attitude of oh, he had a problem with the kids. I used to work at an RSL club when I was bartending mm. in a former life, mm. and um, there was a known pedophile mm. in the in the club, and I didn't know. I was mm. just starting out, and this bloke. Um, he was the brother of one of the directors and he was mm. the older brother mm. and I, I said this guy's creeping me out like he's really staring at because it was a kids play facility and he was just sitting there watching and I'm like I'm doing my welfare course um, you know my uni course sort of thing mm. and I'm there and this guy's what I'm like wow this guy's letting off every red flag that our course talks about can we can we do something mm. and they're like no 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 he just likes to watch the kids I'm like that's not alright mm. Anyway, he followed one of them into the bathroom one day and I followed him in. I lost my job as a direct result of what happened. Oh, he fell over. Yeah, I must have tripped a few times. <laughs> and then after that, they're there and they go, oh, what are you doing? What, what, what are you thinking? He, he, he doesn't have a problem. He just, he just likes the kids a bit much. And I remember sitting there like, like I had hair down to my waist at the time. And I remember sitting there ripping it out going, are you kidding me? Mm. How can you have this attitude? But it's so prevalent. Mm. You know, you see it in the churches. It's, you, you see it in the institutions. They'll get one of them in and they'll just destroy an entire, you know, for example, the, the boys' homes, things like that. And they'll just be like, oh, yeah, we had a bit of an issue. Bit of an issue? God damn. Mm. That's putting it. But everyone can be so dismissive of child abuse, but it's the one crime on this planet that is completely unjustifiable. Mm. I can justify bank robbery. Mm. I can justify murder. Mm. You know, you can justify bashing. You can justify stealing a car, drugs. Mm. You cannot justify child abuse. You just can't. What's someone say about drug abuse? What's that saying? They say someone offered to buy drugs, but they didn't offer to buy rape. Exactly, you know. exactly, and that's the the child abuse material. Let's talk about George Pell, <laughs> Rotten Hell Pell. Let's talk uh, about George Pell. How did that make you feel when you're watching people celebrating his life, mate? There, there, there's two schools of thought out there. One of them is just let him die, mm. just don't give him any air time. Put a foot on his throat, yeah, badly. Speed it up. I'd a like bit. to help it, but I'm just having a bunger, just. Yeah, that's my foot here. My bad. <laughs> Sorry, twitch. <laughs> um, but I, I can't. The guys that sat there and staunched the survivors—they're the guys I want to have a word with. Mm. They actually staunched survivors of child abuse. How tough are you, bro? Mm. How 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 sick are you, bro? Like, tell tell me, cousin. How mm. how good do you feel right now? Yeah. You were standing over a survivor of child abuse who was half your size, and you were telling you were getting up upset with her and I was I was losing my mind watching watching your your Instagrams. Mm. But how does you feel watching two former I, prime ministers and a and a, and a, de- a, a, a whatever a bring in the bald headed fucking potato head mm-hmm. Peter Dutton sort of attending how did it make you feel that these sort of people like 
you know, attending. You know what? I think I could be wrong like when I said that there's no elite pedophile rings because, like you said, two former prime ministers and the immigration minister. Mm. What the hell? The current immigration minister <laughs> no. is at this dude's funeral. Now, he was acquitted by a technicality of the law of child abuse himself. What they know for a fact is what the Royal Commission said, Mm. and that is he failed to protect. He failed to take steps to protect children, which it was his whole job Mm. was to protect the flock. Out of the Royal Commission, Brian Houston Hillsong got charged with accession. If Pell was charged with that same thing... He would have died in jail. He would have. Because of the Melbourne response. The Melbourne response, can you just explain what the Melbourne response is? The Melbourne is? response is one of the sickest responses to survivors of childhood that I've ever yeah. seen. It was a blueprint designed to split the diocese up so they could not, so they so the, the church itself was protected from being sued. So their idea was that they'd sue the individual diocese. Each individual diocese became its own franchise, essentially. And I'm yes, I'm dumbing it down into terms that are understandable and and business majors will probably be yelling at me for this Mm. but whatever they basically franchised each individual diocese and then so when a survivor went to sue they couldn't sue the church as a whole they could only sue that diocese and then they would just fall that diocese would just fall and they'd open up another diocese over here so the church funds of trillions and trillions of dollars would never be touched that's the melbourne response and they also, it was a blueprint how to move them around, move different the, the pedophiles around. That section was denied. Mm. They said that never happened, mm. but it's been found. So well, Ridsdale done it. He'd done more clubs than the fucking the, the, the Seekers. <laughs> how, do you, mm. how do you do that with good conscience? Yeah, yeah. Like you, you sit there and you claim to be a man of God, you, a man of piety, a, a man of goodness, and you're, you've got Ridsdale mm. before you. And you go, whoop. Let's uh, just call, can you just explain who Ridsdale was? Gerard Ridsdale was one of our most prolific pedophiles and he was enabled by the church. In particular, Pell. In particular, Pell, because Pell was told what Ridsdale did. He called the survivors that were telling him what Ridsdale had done ridiculous. Mm. He said, you're being ridiculous. Stop, stop talking about that. That's not happening. Mm. When it was about the fourth time mm. that he knew it was happening. And so rather than say to these survivors, hey, look, I'm really sorry, I've, I've moved him here from another diocese mm. because he, he literally said, you are being ridiculous. There's a great group online called Ballarat So Sad. Mm. And Ballarat So Sad have done a lot of work with Risdale and a lot of work with Pell. Mm. And when I say with, I mean against, mm. obviously. And they were a group of Ballarat survivors who deserve a definite mention um, mm. because they were the guys that brought Risdale down. In saying that, Pell went to court and gave a character reference for Ridsdale when he went to court. He went, he assisted him at court. Yeah, he did. He walked in with him, arm in arm, like, but like nothing's happened. And he's been convicted. He's been convicted. Yeah, and still nothing's happened. Yeah, to this day. And people celebrate the life of George Pell. How can you? That's what ugh, two prime ministers and, a, and an immigration yeah. minister. It's insane. Yeah. And they say, oh, but he's he's close to God. No, he's not. He's close to the devil. Exactly. He's doing his work. What laws have been affected by the work of FACA? So our very first one was the um, Children's Champion Program, mm. uh, which was literally Google how to change the law. Mm. Um, we came, what we did was we went to the survivors and we said, what do you need? Mm. Instead of telling them what they wanted, we said, what do you guys want? And they came up with this great list of things like, um, it'd be really cool if the judge could disrobe. It'd be really cool if there was breaks. It'd be amazing if I didn't have to read my testimony and get cross-examined by brutal barristers who were only there to make me feel bad and re-traumatise me. So we wrote all of these lists of things that we wanted um, changed and it was um, approved pretty much in, an, in, in its entirety except for the derobing thing. Hey, them ridiculous wigs. Yeah. And for a, for a child abuse survivor, can I tell you, I've, I've walked in holding the hand of a survivor who, and literally seen them look up at the judges and been like, holy hell, that's scary. Hmm. And so we did that and it was called the Children's Champion Program and it was a pilot program and it was amazing results. And it was, it was trialed in the Downing Centre 
which, um, as you probably know, is quite small and, and antiquated building. So it was quite hard for them to pull it off, but they did a great job of it. It was an amazing program. And I actually spoke to New South Wales Police because we do interagency meetings with um, victims of crime. Interagency. Mm-hmm. I was speaking to New South Wales Police and she said, I want to expand that to everything. Any vulnerable witness should have the Children's Champion. She said dis- people with disabilities, um, non-English speaking backgrounds, anyone with any vulnerability. And... And once the pilot program ended, they it, it's now in five major courts out there, which is fantastic, and they've changed the name a few times. Um, so that was our, our big win. Yeah. Um, we've That's also, a good win. That was a big win. We were happy as hell with that. We, we also found out that um, Victoria, South Australia, have kicked that off as well, which is amazing. They're, they're piloting it currently. What else have we done? We've, the forensic patients was a big one for us. Because before, friends, people who were declared mentally ill could say that I'm not guilty because of my mental illness. Mm. Now, they're known as guilty, but um, not responsible. Which, I, it sounds like such, you know, semantics, mm. but it's a really big win when you're sitting there looking at the man that killed your parents, mm. and he's going, well, I, I wasn't guilty, but now he's saying, I'm guilty, yes, I did it but I'm not responsible because of my mental illness. That was a big win for us. Like, I know there's some really cunning and manipulative people, but it's hard for them to get out of that forensic patient thing. Mm. I think I, I think on average it, it takes a, nearly just as long as someone who's actually been convicted. Really? But it is hard. I remember once being at a party and some bloke was there and he was normal as anything. Normal as anything. And he went and done a double, double murder a couple of weeks later and he became a forensic patient. I was thinking to myself, that bloke... <laughs> Seemed perfectly normal to me yeah. two weeks before the murder. Yeah. See, that we've heard that um, there was a classic case of forensic patient up in um, Queensland, far north Queensland, mm-hmm. where a mother drowned eight of the kids. I remember this. Yeah. yeah, and she got forensic patient. Did she? And everyone that we spoke to, every one of the commenters was like, I know her. She's not crazy. Yeah. What the hell's going on? How did she get forensic patient? And But she's still behind from what I heard, and that's, you know, eight, nine years ago. Are you saying that pedophiles now, some of them are saying that they're not responsible, but they're guilty? So, yeah, it used to be that they said they were not guilty by reason of mental illness. Now they have to say they are guilty, but not responsible. Yeah. Right, which, as I said, it doesn't seem like much, but it's a big leap forward when you're sitting there looking at your abuser opposite a table from you, and and they're saying, I'm not guilty with their hands in their air. But now they're saying, yes, I'm guilty. So mm. they did the crime, but they're saying that the responsibility lies with the mental illness, not with them. Isn't that crazy? That's insane. But the biggest one at the moment is the Super for Survivors campaign. I love it. I love what you guys are doing with that. That's going to be... What's his name? Andrew... Andrew Carpenter. Andrew Carpenter is a, a solicitor from South Australia that's yep. really hit the ball up in this. And please, everyone get behind Andrew and support him there. Absolutely. Can you explain to the listeners what the premise of... Uh, of Andrew's campaign? So the campaign, Andrew came to us and said, did you know that's, that uh, pedophiles can hide their assets in superannuation and not be sued civilly and get the, you know, and give their victims the compensation that the victims deserve? And I said, that sounds insane to me. And he said, well, it's happening. And he gave me two cases, Peter Liddy, the magistrate from South Australia. And he's got $4 million tucked $4 away. $4 million. And Maurice Van Rin, mm. the Emerald Coast child abuser, who has about $9 million sitting in his because he was the CEO of a very famous food company Mm. for a very long time and um, yeah he has 9 million sitting in his super and he is telling his victim survivors that you won't get a cent we intend to change that yeah Um, we met with the Minister for Finance Stephen Jones lovely guy and he put together a consultation paper so it's at the consultation paper stage and I think consultation closes today actually um we didn't like what they came out with because they, number one, did not make it retrospective, which means that Maurice Van Rin and Peter Liddy won't have mm. to pay. It would be from that day forward. Mm. And we also, and this is a bit controversial, don't want them to have to be convicted, child mm. abuse, um, because the simple fact is it's very, very hard for a child abuse survivor to get a conviction mm. in the court of law. However, the civil court has a much lower threshold of proof, mm. much much lower burden of proof. And so we've seen people, several survivors, who have won compensation 
but have not secured a criminal conviction. Now, people, the response to that was, oh, but then anyone can sue anyone and use these laws to get their super. Well, no. The, the burden of proof is not that low. Mm. You can't walk into a courthouse and say, Russell, I'm suing you for abusing me and I want your super. Mm. It's just not like that. No, there's got to be probability. 100%. There's got to be a probability works like this. If one person says you're abused, then you might not. If it's two, you might have. If three says it, you did. Exactly. Exactly. So, and, and civil claims are based on witness testimony and that sort of stuff. So it's so it's not as easy as everyone thinks. What do you think of the redress scheme? The, re- the government brought in a redress scheme, and it it was it's capped at one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and it was sort of like a speeding process for survivors to get compensation. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of it I'm not all. A fan I of hate it. All. I'll be honest with you. I've seen. I'll give you a classic example. There's two boys from Melbourne. One got a. They both got abused by the traffic police. One took them on civilly, got 950 grand, and the other one took them on through redress and got 45 thousand dollars. That is ridiculous. You know, that's actually how I dis- I worked out that Andrew Carpenter was one of the few good good guys out there. Because I'm not a fan of, of lawyers as a general rule. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm usually the one standing over st- standing over a child that they're traumatising mm-hmm. to stop them from doing so. Yeah. So when Andy Carpenter came to us, I was a bit apprehensive, yeah. I freely admit. And then he turned around and told me about the fact that he takes on clients for free. Mm. And not always, mm. but in some cases he will pro bono mm. clients. And he will tell them, don't go to redress. Yeah, Come with me to compensation. You know, because the thing is with Regis, I'll just touch on one, one more point. It's subjective. Mm. So someone like me, I couldn't get I, – I was abused, but I could never get redressed because I've spent more than five years in prison. It doesn't apply to me. I, that, I, yeah, what, that, that's really? A, yeah, that's a fact. It doesn't apply to me, but I can apply for it, but it's got to be approved by the Attorney General. <laughs> the people who are going to pay me. The people who are going to pay me, I've got to approve if I'm allowed to go after it and, and get money off them. You're kidding. Yeah, that's a fact. I didn't know that. If you've done more than five years jail, that doesn't apply to you. But how many child abuse survivors does that cancel out? That's what the purpose of it. That's insane. Yeah, it's crazy. I didn't know about that. And um, and then they try to advertise in jail. They'll say, no, you don't You don't talk to lawyers, you talk to redress. They no. promote it in the jails. Yep, absolutely. And that that's what we call survivor farming. Mm, 100%. When they go straight into the prisons mm. and they and they they talk about the the greatness of the redress scheme, that's survivor farming. That's oh, disgusting. They accused me of playing farm. I said, "What? Stand up my you answer my phone. They're not I'm not ringing them. I no. can't ring them in jail. They're yeah. ringing me." For those people who have been in prison for more than 5 years, I encourage you to contact the lawyer and go after them civilly. Part of the process, I'll tell you something, with myself, my own, my own journey was this. When I went through the compensation, the best thing that happened to me was the apology letter. Mm. Absolutely. I, the morning of the mediation was the apology letter, and I cried. And I was given this apology letter, and and uh, still sort of tears me up a little bit now. But I was given that, and it made sense of my life, and it made sense of my past. And, I, and the first thing they said, Lou, well, I apologise to you about the abuse that you suffered at the hands of government people or whatever and rah, 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 and we, you know, and we're, we thank you for coming forward and to make the lives of children safer. Yeah. That's important, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It's a recognition. A lot of survivors that we talk to find that they're silenced, which is why we call ourselves the voice for the voiceless and why mm. you call yourself the voice for the survivor. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. And they feel like they've been silenced. They feel like they've been told that no Either A, it didn't happen, or B, it didn't matter. Mm. And the, what happened to them did matter. Their lives do matter. Mm. The, this major event of trauma, which is, you know, left, and trauma does, it permanently scars the mm. brain in mm. a physiological way. And people don't realise that. People think that, oh, just suck but, it up. Well, it robs you for your self-belief. This is my trauma 100%. counselling, is getting that self-love, self-belief and self-worth back. Yes. And abuse takes, it just snatches them with things it off does. you. It does, and that's why the letter matters. That's why martial arts training, dance training, gymnastics, um, all of these things that we offer with our Phoenix program, mm. that's what it gives them back. Yeah. I see that. I see it's so important. Oh, God, I, I wish I could show you my inbox mm. because it is full of pictures of kids with their yellow belts on, with their, mm. their red belts on, these beaming smiles, this pride, this sense of self, mm. or this, this you know kid in their, in, in their dance outfit, or... 
My personal favourite one is is a survivor I've been helping for a few years who is now doing music therapy, mm. and he sent me a piece that he wrote, mm. and he's and he's like, bro, how, what, give me your honest feedback. I'm like, bro, that's the best thing I've ever heard. Let's go yeah. on my Spotify now. Yeah, these things matter, mm. and that sense of self belief and that sense of self worth, like you said, mm. and it all it really does start with recognition for sure. As soon as you get that letter. I mean, at my own mediation, I remember it was the fifth of May, two thousand and seventeen. I remember it well, and and I and I said we can stop here. I was joking with the lawyers. I said we can stop, and they said no, no, no. This is where we get our money, and um, <laughs> and, and that's that whole thing of like, I, and I, it's just uh, just a clarification with people. Always, you're always unable to get a second opinion. Yep. You don't have to stay with that same law firm if you're going through that process. Yep. If they're not doing their job, if they're treating you like a commodity, jump ship. Yep, yep, 100%. If they're not listening to you, if they're not hearing you, if they cut you off, mm. the biggest thing is, oh, yeah, okay, look, I've heard enough. Okay, I've got what I need, yeah. like you said. Yeah. I've got what I need to go after them. You can stop talking now. Yeah. Nah, no. sorry. I make them lawyers accountable. Mm. I go, have you done a welfare check on this bloke, this client? Because, and I, man, I... I take calls all day. I'm doing. I think I feel like I'm a life coach at the time, but I love it. Yeah, hundred percent. I love it. I love what I do. One of the best ones I've done was three brothers were bu- abused in John Gill Memorial down at uh, Goulburn. Hadn't spoke to each other in twenty years. They went to mediation one day at Supreme Court, right. and, and they had their arms around each other. Ooh. And that's what I love about this this work I do. It's some sad ones they die, like yeah. when they're going through the process, and it's quite triggering. And but. Man, I'll tell you, man, I'll tell you, like on the behalf of survivors, man, we're so, we're so blessed to have someone like you fighting for it. Thanks, man. It means a lot. No, I appreciate it. So, uh, Adam, how do people go about contacting FACA? We've got our Facebook page. Massive. Um, how many followers you got on there? 135,000 on the big one, about 15,000 on the smaller one. Yeah. Contact us through either of those inboxes. Mm. Um, you can you can get me direct at adam at facaaus.org. Yeah. Um, look, be patient. We are volunteers. Yeah. I've, got, I've got a full-time job. I've got a family. Yeah. Um, but look, we will answer your inboxes. Yeah. And if we can help, we will help. Yeah. We're not everywhere. Yeah. Those are the major ways to contact us. It's just it's just facaa. Give me a follow also on TikTok because um, I'm going to be jumping on with Adam. Uh, give me a follow on Instagram too. Yeah, we're on Instagram. Uh, our Instagram inbox is is also open. Our TikTok inbox is now also open. And it's just look up FACAA. Yeah. You'll find us. Make sure it's double A. Hey, Adam, thank you very much for being on the stick up, brother. Mate, really I, appreciate it. As I said, this was on my goal list. Mate, that's a pleasure having you here, mate. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it.